0: The Chicago Bears have some serious business to take care of in this year's NFL draft. Ryan Poles needs to start finding some answers to some of the team's biggest lingering questions. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. Whether it's your first time ever listening or whether you listen every single day, our everydayers, as we like to call them, we appreciate you tuning in right ahead of the NFL Draft. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on your app stores. Locked on Bears listeners will get 100% free boost to your franchise when you enter in our promo code LOCKED ON in all caps in the game. On the show today, we explore the biggest questions the Chicago Bears need to answer with this NFL draft, including what they're going to be doing in front of and around Justin Fields, how this defense is going to get after opposing quarterbacks, and more broadly, give us some more answers on how Ryan Poles Views not only his roster, but also his approach for scouting, prospect evaluation, and shaking out some of the biggest questions in this draft class based on the decisions he makes with the Bears picks. But I think right away, one of the big questions is, who's going to block for Justin Fields? What is this offensive line combination going to look like? We need to get some sort of an answer from that in this NFL draft. That doesn't mean they have to use the ninth overall pick or trade down in the first round. It doesn't mean they have to use their first round pick on an offensive tackle. It doesn't mean they can just wait and have to wait or have to use any draft picks on the offensive tackle. If they don't draft a tackle in this draft, that still tells us something a little bit different too, but it does start to answer the question a little bit more of who is going to be blocking for Justin Fields and what combination of players... Is that going to look like? Because of course, there are plenty of options to like in the first round. Pick your flavor of offensive tackle. Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, Peter Skaransky from Northwestern, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, or Broderick Jones from Georgia. As we've heard in the lead up to the NFL draft here, the Paris Johnson Jr. hype draft stock is high to the point where there's some real questions as to whether or not he'll even be on the board. I mean, the Chicago Bears are on the clock with the ninth overall pick. There have been rumors that the Arizona Cardinals are interested in him with the number three overall pick. And that teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers and others are interested in trading up for an offensive tackle, perhaps Paris Johnson. The Even the Philadelphia Eagles at 10 have been rumored to be wanting to move up past the Bears at nine to take Paris Johnson specifically. So he might start to come off the board. So then is it Peter Skaransky at nine? But then does Peter Skaronsky end up playing guard or tackle in your team. I would certainly give him the chance to play tackle first and see how he does there and then ultimately end up kicking him inside the guard. But if you end up kicking Skoransky inside the guard, would you then consider moving uh, the right tackle from last year? Why am I spacing on his name who they kicked inside the guard? Why can't I think of the name? I'm pulling up Tevin Jenkins, jeepers. Would you move Tevin Jenkins out to right tackle if you ended up having to play Skaransky at guard, Right. What or what else is your plan then at 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 right tackle if you draft Skuronsky and over time eventually end up putting him inside at guard? Do you feel comfortable taking a player like Darnell Wright or Broderick Jones with the ninth overall pick? Do they trade down? I know the last we heard from Albert Breer, for example, one of the NFL insiders who's who's had good connections with the Bears, and I happen to know has has very good connections with certain members of the Bears organization. I've seen that relationship with my own two eyes in person down at the senior bowl. I'm not going to reveal some of his sources there, but he does have, I believe he's got some pretty good ties into this organization. He, he has said that he does not think he he thinks it's unlikely that the Chicago bears trade down for the ninth overall pick. And he also talked separately about how he thinks there's Paris Johnson and Peter Skronsky. And then there's a drop-off between them and Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones. And that with, with Wright and Jones, there are some, not necessarily like maturity issues, but like off the field questions about that sort of thing that that Johnson and, and Skaronski are locked tight all around everything you want prospects on and off the field. And that Jones and Wright have some of those maturity type of question marks around them in terms of like body composition and, and how they react to criticism and coaching and things like that. He didn't get into specifics, but maybe guys like Wright and Jones end up going a little bit later than we think and aren't right there in the mix as potential ninth overall pick. So then is Ryan Poles inclined to then wait and take a, a tackle in the second or the first pick in the third round? Like, and, and does one of those players then immediately come in and be your starting right tackle? Or does there become a competition there with the likes of Larry Borum and Alex Leatherwood at right tackle? Right? What the Bears choose to do specifically at right tackle with the offensive tackle position regardless of where they take them or if they take them at all in the draft, will also reflect some of that confidence in Leatherwood and in Borum. And also, I think, leave open the possibility then of a free agent still being an option at offensive tackle. If they get through this draft and just say, you know, there was not a, a early premium offensive tackle that they liked at any of their four top 64 draft spots, maybe they could still go out in free agency and try to find this year's version of Riley Reef. You know, the veteran signed after the draft, that comes in, competes to start, and maybe ultimately does start somewhere on this offensive line, but doesn't necessarily give you like the the most confidence in the world that they're gonna be a great player all season long, but they can be a fill-in option there because the Bears maybe ultimately end up going just with other positions that they and other players that they value more in the draft. And the Bears can't control which tackles are going to be on the board when they pick. Although I suppose they could trade up, you know, from spots and try and make sure they get a tackle if a certain player or that position becomes a priority for them. And we'll learn exactly where that priority may or may not fall when it comes to the offensive line. Bears also need to figure out the other side of the line. We know those two are the biggest needs, but I think defensive line is even more interesting of a draft question to answer because on the offensive line, it's kind of right tackle or bust, right? They're not going to take a guard super, super early, and if they take a center, that's not necessarily to start this season. When you draft a center, it's it's for the long term, but we think Cody White here is going to start at center this season. Defensive line is not so cut and dry, and so we'll look at how the bears might try and answer who's going to rush the passer this season. Next on locked on bears. The locked on bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at ultimate football GM. You've heard us talk about this mobile game app a little bit before. And if you've ever thought about being your own general manager, if you'd love to run a football team, you got to give this game a try because it's not as easy as you might think to make a dynasty. I've been playing through on there with, with the Chicago bears. It's, not the real players, but you can get the real team names and colors. And it's it's not that hard to make the playoffs. It's hard to win championships. It's, a, it's really a, a challenging and realistic game world. They put you in complete control over your franchise. You're, si- you're signing and trading players. You're making draft picks, trading up and down there, hiring and firing coaches and scouts and front office people and really... Every little decision you could think of, contract extensions and more, Ultimate Football GM lets you control the destiny of your franchise. And it's completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go wherever you are, however you want. Locked on Bears listeners will get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use our promo code ON in the games store. Make sure it's all caps LOCKED ON, And make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on your phone's app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. The Chicago Bears need to figure out how they're going to rush the passer and really how they're going to fill out this defensive line through the NFL draft. I don't think, it's almost 0% chance. We get through this entire draft without them addressing the defensive line in some way, shape or form, even if it's at worst a seventh round pick. I think that's true for the offensive line as well. They will draft some sort of offensive lineman somewhere in this draft. They've got, what is it, nine picks as as we stand today. And of course, if you trade down at any point, you could add picks. If you trade up, you could lose picks. But nine picks when the offensive line represents five positions out of your 11 starters and your defensive line represents four out of your 11 starters, statistically, the Bears are going to draft at probably, almost certainly, one offensive lineman and one defensive lineman throughout the course of this draft. I think there's a decent chance they double down on one or even potentially both of those positions with early and late draft picks. But we saw last year they took four offensive linemen. Ryan Poles is not afraid to just take the players that he likes and not care if I've drafted three tackles or three guards or whatever it was, however you want to split up those positions from last year, he's going to take them. When he's got the draft picks, especially, I think, Later on in that draft. And so for this defensive line, I think they can really go in and approach it from a, a position of of flexibility because of who they signed in free agency. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. You know, the, the two big, I guess, three main defensive line. First, it was the nose tackle, Andrew Billings, who is purely a nose tackle. There's not really a lot of versatility there. But the two others, Demarcus Walker from the Titans and Rasheem Green from the Houston Texans are both guys who have played the three-technique spot before and have played the defensive end spot before in the NFL. And both, I think, have the ability to play either in this Bears defensive scheme. And so you could go into this draft thinking, looking at those two both as defensive ends and say, okay, we really got to get a three-technique defensive tackle. You could look at those two and think of both of them as defensive tackles and say, wow, we really got to get some edge rushers then or you could sort of think of them as one of each or, you know, in either combination. And I think I think Ryan Poles might be looking at it in that way where it's like, we don't have to say today where exactly those guys are going to play. We feel confident that they could potentially play at either spot. So then you can go into the NFL draft flexible and not feeling like you have to take a defensive end because those two guys are tackles or you have to take a tackle because those two guys are ends. I think the Bears can go through and say, okay, when we're picking at nine or 53 or 61 or 64, if there's a defensive end who is the best player available there, we can take them and maybe even double down at that position and know that we can play Demarcus Walker and or Rasheem Green at defensive tackle and feel like our depth is going to be okay there. Or similar thing, but similar to the reverse, right? 53 and there's a good defensive tackle there and they want to double down in that spot. You know what? We can play Walker and Green as bigger defensive ends in this scheme, and you still have Travis Gibson and Dominic Robinson, you you don't necessarily have to get an edge rusher particularly early in this draft. Ideally, I would like to address both positions early in this draft. You know, in those top 64 picks, I would love to see defensive end and defensive tackle as part of those spots. Grab an offensive tackle in there too, and then kind of luxury for the other one of the four. That's kind of the ideal play for me with those four picks. But understand that if they're going best player available, that might not happen, and they might not address one of these premium need positions with those first four top 64 draft picks. What really intrigues me about the class of linemen is that there are a handful of guys that then fall into the same type of category that Walker and Green fall in, where it's like, yeah, there's, a, there's more than just Lucas Van Ness in this draft class who you think could play defensive end or could also potentially play interior defensive tackle. And so all of a sudden, you know, you get a situation. I think I think Vanessa is one of those guys. I think, uh, what's the USC kid? Uh, Tuli Pulatu, the Northwestern kid as well. Atatomua, Adetom- Adewabora. It's the very difficult and long names to pronounce in this draft class. There are guys early on in this class that you feel like are big and athletic enough, like big enough to play the inside athletic enough to play the outside and it's like oh well okay then all of a sudden you know what happens if you get uh, you know Bowari from Northwestern in the second round there and now you have another guy who's a half and half tackle and you, you end up getting this this defensive line of guys who can play any of the interior and outside positions like across the defensive line you could have three or four guys that you feel like you could move across to any of these positions and, and put them in any order that you might like and all of a sudden you know you, you have you immense flexibility at those positions. You know, if somebody gets hurt or if somebody becomes available via trade, like a chase young, who I don't think they're going to trade for, but you know, then all of a sudden you have more guys that give you that flexibility for who else you want to end up playing around them in with, with different lineups and different rotations on that defensive line. I think that could be a lot of fun. Maybe you worry a little bit about the, the, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none concept where, okay, you got guys who aren't quite defensive ends and quite aren't quite three techniques. So are they really good at either spot or are they just okay at both spots? I think that's a valid concern, and there's something to be said about, especially a rookie, bringing them in and saying, play this one spot and master this one spot, because we saw how difficult that was for Kyler Gordon at cornerback last year, alternating between inside and outside. Very different position, very different responsibilities, much easier to move a defensive lineman around than it is to move a cornerback around defensively, what you're asking them to do. But still, it's something to keep in mind, as we can't expect young players to just step in and master everything you throw at them right away. And so... It's got to be a part of that consideration as well, but either way, whether it's an end to tackle or whatever, the bears need to figure out how they're going to rush the passer this year, because it's too big of a need right now. As the roster stands, you just do not have a high level of talent on that defensive line. And it remains one of the biggest needs, if not the biggest need, which I made the case for on the podcast last month, defensive line to me is a bigger need overall than offensive line. Cause I feel like you've got options at offensive line, even on the roster right now, you can move guys around, but Right now on the defensive line, you don't have nearly as enough talent as you should in order to be productive, getting after the quarterback and stopping the run in the modern NFL. I'm also really curious to see what this draft tells us about Ryan Poles, because I think last year's draft is always, a, a, you know, it's a one, one, any individual draft is a small sample size, but I think last year's draft in particular for multiple reasons doesn't necessarily tell us everything we need to know about how. Ryan Pohl's approaches drafting, but this year will be a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain. So we'll, we'll explore what this year's draft picks will teach us about this bears general manager next on locked on bears. The lockdown bears podcast is brought to you by built bar, the world's best tasting protein bars. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on flavor, then built bars are going to be perfect for you because they're healthy And they taste amazing. They are soft, easy to chew, and every Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. But they're low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. We're talking 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, all with a great delicious taste that tastes like a candy bar. You can't find a product quite like this anywhere else. You can get them anytime at Built.com, but you can get them even faster in person at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. If you head over to Walmart in the area near the pharmacy section, they got the protein bars. You get yourself a box of Built Bars. They've got four bar boxes of cookies and cream, the double chocolate bar, or the coconut puff, which is one of my personal favorites. Or if there's a Sam's Club in your town, you can run in and grab the 13-bar box of their hit flavors, brownie batter puff, and the churro puffs. Two of my all-timers right there. Those are the two that I reorder often. Again, I've picked up at my local Sam's Club before. So go check them out. Or, of course, you can head over to Built.com. However you do it, take a bite, and trust me, You'll thank me later. The more drafts we see Ryan Poles participate in, the more picks he selects, the more we can learn about his trends, his preferences, and how he evaluates not only this Bears roster, but also draft prospects in general. And I think this year in particular will be particularly uh, insightful and illuminating into how... Polls handles this process for a couple of reasons. One, last year Ryan Polls comes in in January, so he hasn't been in this organization throughout the in-season draft scouting process. He inherits the previous front office's scouting staff and their scouting reports because you know while Ryan Pace was still in charge, they were still scouting all these players. He gets fired. You know Polls brings some of what he brought had from Kansas City and some of what the Bears staff had done. It, right, it wasn't fully his draft and his evaluations. He made the picks and was still involved in the senior bowl and the combine and those processes. I think that's why they relied more on the senior bowl last year, because that was, well, he was in charge of the organization and got to see that for himself. And it was his, his eyes and, and their, their collective eyes together under his direction, as opposed to how they were scouting under the previous regime. So I think that's part of that process there, but this year he's got, you know, they put in the new scouting directors and, and assistant directors. Like he's got his, structure in place, you know, assistant GM, Ian Cunningham, et cetera. Like these are his guys now and it's his scouting reports and it's his scouts. These are going to be more fully his thoughts and evaluations on these players. I also think last year, because they didn't have a first round pick, you know, they were just generally more limited in draft capital. And it's the early picks that tell us more about the general manager. And you compare it to this year when he has four picks in the top 64 When last year they barely picked before 64, they had two second round picks, but they were both, you know, mid to late second round picks. And then one in the third, and then you're into day three of the draft. Like it is these early draft picks that teach us about a general manager, because as you get later and later in the draft, each pick has less at stake, right? If you miss on your fourth, your fifth, your sixth, your seventh round picks, especially the later you go the less of a big deal that is, right? The less expected those are to be good, the less you count on them to be good and the less pivotal they are to your franchise when you get them wrong or right. And so across the board, across the league, general managers are more willing to, in the in the later rounds of the draft, you know, take chances on guys or not necessarily reach, but, you know, think out of the box, swing for the fences here and there, or just, you know, sometimes take positions of need more often in those types of ranges And they're less stern about making sure that guys fit exactly what they're looking for, right? You're more willing to overlook flaws here or less than ideal things there because everybody's got flaws and less than ideal things. And you say, okay, screw it. Even though this guy might not normally fit the mold of the type of player we might want to take, he's worth it to us to take later in the draft because it's it's a lower stakes pick and we feel like it could be good value here. Early in the draft is when you really have to be as sure as possible about who you're taking and making sure that they're going to be the guys that fit what you want them to do. And so those picks tend to reflect more of what the evaluators value, right? When we think about teams having certain thresholds, you know, the Packers don't take wide receivers under a certain size or that that run a certain speed, or some teams won't take offensive linemen with arms under a certain length. Well, they're more likely to take ex, uh, they're more likely to take outliers from that later in the draft. But early in the draft is when you don't typically see teams go as strongly towards the outliers from their system. And so for Ryan Poles, right, we're gonna finally get to see with the ninth overall pick, will he go true best player available and not not really care about positional need on his roster the same way like last year? Wide receiver was the spot I think Bears fans wanted Polls to take in the second round. He goes corner and safety, which were still needs and still needed to be addressed in some way, but, like, weren't as big as as wide receiver being as glaring as it ended up being. Will he do that when it's the ninth overall pick instead of the 42nd or 40th or whatever, wherever they ended up taking Kyler Gordon and then Brisker was, like, 48 or something? I don't remember the picks off the top of my head. You know, how will he value those into the second round then, too? It's the same questions. Like, can he just sit there and go true best player available? Cause it, cause it kind of felt like last year, right? Third round, Velas Jones, not wasn't as like, obviously like best player available. We think this is a first round guy who's still there. Like that felt a little bit more like, Hey, we got to get a wide receiver and we do like this one, but we got to get one. So we'll take one here. You know, how does he approach that with four picks in the top 64 this year? You know, do we, do we see him only prefer a longer offensive lineman, right? We wonder about Peter Skaransky, for example, like last year, he took Broderick Jones as a tackle with, with long arms and ended up going with some longer arm guys. And then guys like Doug Kramer were shorter as interior guys. Was that, is he willing to go, like, like are, those, are those standards? Or is it just like, well, in the late rounds, we're not going to care too much about those. We're just going to take the prospect that we think we, we want to take a chance on. But in the early rounds, will those types of thresholds be something that matters more to Ryan Poles right? This is the year we can start to say, okay, based on the early draft picks he's made, what does he seem to be valuing? in offensive tackle, in edge rusher, in cornerback, in wide receiver in defensive tackle, wherever he ends up using these positions will tell us a little bit more about what he's valuing in those positions. And similarly, when he's on the clock at 9, 53, 61, 64, if there's a good player there at, at another position that he doesn't take, will that be a signal that he might not value either that position as much or more likely like certain traits that that player has? You know, if he doesn't take Skoransky? And ends up going into a different position, even though Skronsky's is the best lineman there. Maybe he, then it means he does value arm length. Or maybe he passes on a really fast cornerback for somebody else and maybe doesn't value speed as much at the cornerback spot. The decisions he makes and doesn't make in this year's draft class will teach us more about how he's going to approach future drafts and how he views this current Chicago Bears roster. So I really appreciate all of you that tune in from start to finish all three segments. Every day of the week, five days a week, you make Locked On Bears your first listen, and I really do appreciate it. On draft day, I hope you're ready and fired up for the NFL draft. If you want more draft coverage, we're going to be doing some live draft stuff here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are doing a live NFL draft hangout show starting at 6.30 Central Time on the Locked On NFL Scouting YouTube channel. Not Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Scouting with Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino and all of our Locked On hosts jumping in when and where we can to break down our team's picks. We'll be live Thursday night tonight, six thirty tomorrow night for the second round. I believe we will also be live for all the rounds two and three, and then on Saturday they'll jump in and and bring you breakdowns of each and every round of the draft. So go check out the Locked On NFL Scouting YouTube channel for our live NFL draft content over there. We'll have another Locked On Bears podcast for you tomorrow, breaking down whatever the Bears do in the first round. Trading, trading down from nine, staying at nine, trading back into the first round, staying put. Whatever happens, we'll be breaking it down for you on tomorrow's podcast. There's a chance we go live after the Bears pick, like after the draft, but we'll see. It'll kind of depend on, on what happens. I'd hate to be live while something else happens, so we're going to kind of see how the night plays out. But regardless, it'll be in your podcast feeds and on the YouTube channel Friday morning for you, just like it always is. So make sure you come on back. Make Lockdown Bears your first listen tomorrow. And of course... You have to come on back for your next opportunity to bear down.